Hey, this is Amanda from the Made for TV Mayhem show. We're really excited about tonight's episode because it's all about our favorite television movie actors. Unfortunately, we had a lot of problems with the sound. Skype just recorded funky on my end and apparently on Dan's end. We actually do two recordings so that we can give you the best sound possible, but I sound fuzzy in a lot of it. I do know that Nate kind of goes in and out volume-wise, and I did my best to regulate and level out the sounds, but I think it's a little bit of a challenge to listen to. Um, I did my best to fix it, so I, all I ask is that you bear with us during this episode. We think you'll really enjoy it. I just wanted to let you know ahead of time about some of the problems. So, thanks for listening. You see, Doctor, I begin to think that we all may be mad. Hi, I'm Robert Urich. Lieutenant August. I'm no hero. I stopped thinking that way years ago. I'm a hippie with money. It's not just sex. There's a story there. I can smell it. Tonight. 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 That was brilliant. <laughs> that was brilliant. That really was great. Hey, I'm a, just a hippie with money. I am just a hippie with money. That's one of my favorite lines ever from a TV movie. And it's from one of my favorite actors from a TV movie, which keeps us on topic for tonight. Yeah. Is uh, all about our favorite TV movie actors who make TV movies. That came out totally awkward, but I think you know <laughs> I think we got it. So we're doing, we're kind of going off our normal journey here, and we're going to do a very special episode dedicated to our favorite actors. So as it turns out, we each picked one actor, um, and we didn't tell each other what movies we were going to talk about or what we were going to talk about about that particular actor, although we do know who each one of us picked. Uh, and we were going to just do a really quick roundtable. But we did get a lot of really amazing responses of uh, people. Not a huge amount of people responded, but when they responded, they had a list of actors that they wanted to discuss. So I made a short list that we'll also be talking about. So we've got maybe like a dozen or so actors we're going to talk about tonight. The reason why we're doing this, well, it's two reasons. Number one, I'm in the last two uh, two months of my master's program. And I'm do, so I'm doing two internships and I'm taking a class. So things are really hectic and it's harder for me to commit to movies. And number two, because I think that there's a lot to be said about actors who do a lot of movies and it's like we could do a double of Ed Asner and that would be great and hopefully we will one day but I feel like maybe we could just discuss them as a whole and give them a little bit of the spotlight in one show and we're going to be breaking this up in two parts so this time we're doing actors and on our next episode which will probably be sometime in July we're going to be hitting the actrice the famous actresses that made our lives oh so wonderful in the 70s through the 90s. Um, I'm looking at Donna Mills right now, just so you yeah. So let me go ahead and introduce my co-host. I'm with Dan Budnick. Hey, Dan. Hey, Amanda. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say I've got uh, both uh, the first two editions of Merrill's TV movie books to my left, and they are filled with bookmarks and little tabs and all sorts of things, so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about Good, cause for the next hour. Because I didn't make any notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I made a list of people that other people asked to talk, us to talk about, and I wrote down some titles, and that's it. So I'm just freewheeling it tonight. Yeah, yeah, we're just going to have a good time tonight, folks. It's going to be a good time. I know I just got over a big uh, allergy attack, and I'm actually in the draining and tickly throat stage. So if you hear me laughing, that's my throat that's doing that. it. It's, uh, yeah. So it's, I should be okay. I should be okay. And Nate, you also got over some allergies recently, didn't you? Yes, it was terrible. I'm still not fully over that, uh, but I'm better. That's good. You sound good. Thank you. I'm working on my sexy radio voice. Uh, it's very nice. sexy. I like your accent very much. I'm really into accents right now. I guess because I listen to a lot of podcasts mm -hmm. and while I'm at work. And so now it's like if you have just a straight, like, 
my kind of accent, which is just West Coast. Forget it. Mm-hmm. Forget it. You can be from Long Island. You can be from the South. You could be preferably from England. But don't oh, come yeah. from the West Coast because then you just sound like me and you're boring. From England, you <laughs> like Justin's accent? I love Justin's accent. I actually think it's one of the sexiest voices ever. It's so beautiful and he's so articulate. That I'm just like, oh. I always Mel. think his oh, Eric's are the funniest. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Eric has a lovely accent, too. He does. He does. I like the Irish accent. Yeah. And I feel like Joe tones down his southern accent a little i'm not positive of that but he doesn't have it as deeply as you do so he needs to work on that oh <laughs> <laughs> he needs more of the southern drawl he, needs, he does have a nice voice though i like listening to, you all have great podcasting voices uh, slash radio voices and i just sound Thank like you. Walt Cleaver. so no you sound fine <laughs> yeah, like you know if you hold your nose and you can't talk that's me mm-hmm. yeah that's me I think that's part of the charm. But enough about the I hate me. Oh. <laughs> that's my next offshoot podcast. So right now we're just going to dive into the love podcast. And we're all the men we love. And I guess I'll start. Okay. I chose Robert Reed as my actor that I love. And this was really tough because, you know, I watch a lot of TV movies. I watch a lot of TV movies from the 70s. Admittedly, there was a lot of great actors from the 70s. I mean, that's sort of my thing. Even in the 80s and 90s, I mean, there were some really great faces. John Ritter made a lot of really great movies in the 90s. And he was also on my list of potential choices. But the 70s was really full of really great character actors and really great actors like Robert Reed. And, um, you know, I'm going to bring up Andy Griffith because he was very high on my list. They are very similar in their trajectory in that both of them played certain types of like really lovable likable calm characters in in their popular tv series when they went into their movies they always chose wildly different types of roles and they used those roles to showcase the type of actors that they that they were i think robert reed andy griffith probably did it the best but there's something about robert reed and maybe it's my attachment to him as mr brady that kind of keeps me coming back to him and i've always had a, a real soft spot for him and i always felt like he was a real underrated talent talent. I feel like when we think of him, we only think of Mr. Brady. Yet, if you look at his filmography, it's pretty extensive. And he did a lot of really wonderful stuff. And if I'm correct, he was one of the only actors from the Brady Bunch who went on to do the Brady Bunch Variety Hour who actually enjoyed it. Yes. Because he wanted wanted to sing and dance because he never got that chance. It gave him an opportunity. So he was all about taking opportunities. He was very adventurous with his roles. And I have a couple of clips here that I'm going to go ahead and play. And we can can talk about those films and or just Robert Reed. But um, one of them we played at the beginning of that opening there where he says I feel like we're all a little mad but I'll play that one later that's probably the movie that I'm going to recommend we're all going to make a recommendation to from our favorite actors but for right now he did a movie in the early 70s called Haunts of the Very Rich which I sort of describe as Fantasy Island Goes to Hell and it's basically about a bunch of people who sort of wind up on an island and they're not quite sure how they get there it starts on an airplane and they're all just talking that they won this contest but nobody can really remember boarding the plane or how they got there and they end up on this island and everything's really great there's a bunch of uh, awesome character actors, Ed Asner, Lloyd Bridges, Cloris Leachman, Anne Francis, Donna Mills, Tony Bill. I mean, you name it, they're in it. And Robert Reed plays this um, priest who's sort of losing his faith. And while they're there, everything starts off really fine. And then it all goes really crazy. Like, I think the staff disappears and there's very little food left. And, and the hotel, the resort that they're staying in becomes sort of hellish. And they all start to think, you know what? Maybe we are in hell. And Robert Reed, the, you know, the disillusioned priest, this is his response. We're all dead, aren't we? Dead? No. I don't think so. I wish it were so. 
Good man, Reverend. You're dead. And you're in hell. Why should we be in hell? Are we any worse than anyone else? No, I don't think so. I, we are the people. Just people like any other people. We have our good, we have our bad. And I don't think we should be singled out for punishment. Go on. Keep it up. That's what I like to hear. We are all very much alive. It only seems like hell because, because we have all lost our illusions. As you can hear from that monologue, which is actually like two or three minutes, I had to cut it down for this. Just his voice, without even seeing that performance, I think you can hear that sort of desperation mm -hmm. in his voice. And, and it's a really movie. I mean, it's a really strange movie. And I could see people sort of brushing it off as like the 74-minute whatever, little uh, maybe melodramatic kind of thriller, mystery, supernatural. But there's something about that character that keeps me coming back. And that performance in particular, uh, it's just so effective to me. And, and other things I like about Robert Reed is that he did do drama really well, but he was also a little campy at times. You know, he played bad guys like he was in a TV movie that I only vaguely remember. It was the pilot movie for Mandrake. And oh, yeah. he played the bad yeah. guy in that. And he, you know, he's got the little like um, Arcadian. Yeah, I feel like he's like um, twirling his mustache in that. Yeah. You know, mm. and then at the same time, he also took really bold roles like he was in Medical Center where he played the transgendered patient. Do you remember that? No. Yeah, no, and wow. that was a really famous episode, um, which I actually ha I have to admit, I have not seen it. But it, it's one of his most famous ro non-Brady roles. And so he, he really he really put himself out there in a lot of different ways. I feel like now, 20-some years after his death, we're still just talking about Mr. Brady. And I think it's time to talk about these amazing, amazing roles that he did. And so I'd just like to hear what you guys think about Robert Reed. And so I'll start with Nate. Um, I really love Robert Reed. And, and I mainly know him from the brain. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> well, I mean, I do remember him from a, a 60s horror film called Bloodlust. That yeah. was a made for TV oh, yes. movie. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, that was fun. But I mean, I just can't not think about Mr. Brady <laughs> and, and how much I love the very Brady Christmas movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it may be my favorite of all of them. Um, and sadly to say, like, I haven't seen that many um, movies with him. I mean, I, I saw he's in The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, and I've seen that one. That's, that's been so long ago. That's one of those I mean, kind of the top, I think, a little... The stretch in the drama there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it was good. You know what? I got it. I took a soundbite and I forgot to add it. He did a, um, I don't know if you guys have seen Pray for the Wildcat. Oh, that's one that's on my list. That's with Andy Griffith. Yeah, yeah. Correct. yeah. I was, oh, yeah him yeah. and Andy Griffith to me are like almost the same in so many ways. I mean, they're obviously very different, but the, their trajectory is so similar that it's kind of eerie. But there's this great scene. It's not even, it's just Robert Reed's in the scene, but he's in a really bad marriage with Angie Dickinson. Like you could be in a bad marriage with her. What? I know. Oh. I know. She's so gorgeous. And she and he's like, you know what, when I come back, I don't know. I'm just having some questions about this. And so they're having some problems. And she says something to him, and I can't remember what it is. And he gives her this sort of, I don't know, half-assed response. And she goes, get it together, lover. And I really oh. wanted to pay that, play that clip. And <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> Dan, what do you think about Robert Reed? Oh, Robert Reed's fantastic. I, I'm I'm looking here. I've got, well, well, 
Wildcats is on my list yes. for viewing, and I would like to see. I've seen Mandrake a long time ago. I saw it around the same. I watched the Doctor Strange TV movie, which they made like a year before that. Right. And I saw Mandrake also because I'm a fan, and I remember enjoying him in that and being surprised that he was in that. He's the probably the best part of it. I don't remember Mandrake being very good. I can't remember any of it except him, to be honest with you. I, I do remember him. Yeah, that's. Maybe all I, I'm actually might be putting that and Doctor Strange together. Uh, well, that's a testament yeah. though to Robert Reed, I think. And I, I would that. like to see this one, the Secret Secret Nightcaller. That's what I'm getting to. Oh, yeah, that's that's the movie. So I'm guessing Nate, you're going to recommend a very Brady Christmas. Yes. Okay, which I would back 100% because, let's face it, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And you can go back, if anybody's interested, we actually did a podcast on it. And I think we uncovered all of the mysteries about makeup sex. Yeah, it was around episode (laughs) six or seven. Yeah, yeah, Brady House. Yeah, there was a lot of sex in our version of it. (laughs) So we, uh, you know, we vamped it up for you. And Dan, what would be your film recommendation? Pray for the Wildcats? You know what, I'm, I I would say, well, I haven't seen Pray for the Wildcats, oh. but I hear it's fantastic. Yeah, it's I ha- I have seen SST Death Flight, Ooh. which he's in. You know, I have that, and I haven't seen it yet. Which is a fun, disaster movie. But he's also in something I, I do want to see. I don't know how big his part in it, but it's a Le- uh, Lanigan's Rabbi, one of the mystery movies. That. Oh, it's it's one of the like the, when the mystery movie I think um, when it was getting towards the end circa seventy five seventy six they adapted it was like uh, I forget who wrote the books but it was like you know it was like the night the rabbi went home the night right. the ra- there were a series of books like that he was one of the characters in it and I, I I've actually that's one I've been I've been looking for because I love the uh, the mystery movies. Oh. That sounds really and good. So, yeah, I see it here. And I see also that that he is he he was in Roots. Yes, he was. I can I can honestly recommend Roots. <laughs> How about that for going out in the limb? Get it Roots and Limb and Oh, oh. ha ha. <laughs> I forgot to mention he also something interesting about him was that, you know, he was Mr. Brady, but when he did some of these TV movies, he didn't always star in them. He was often a supporting actor and a couple of movies that he did that are really interesting is nightmare in batham county which um he has not a very big part in but he's pretty memorable everybody in that movie is pretty memorable i mean let's face it that's a pretty hardcore that's the closest i think the tv movie ever got to grindhouse filmmaking and if you ever catch the european version of it and see the additional footage then you'll be like wow yeah that's a grindhouse movie uh it's quite good um there was another movie oh he was also in one of the love boat pilots love boat two yeah Yeah. and he was in that with burt convy but they don't share any scenes together which is just a shame but they were in thou shall not commit adultery which is where Robert Reed is paralyzed in a car accident, and he's married to Nurse Ratchet from um, Wolf of the Cuckoo's Nest, Louise Fletcher. And did she cause the accident? I to... think she did because she's really evil. And he sends her off to do. I think she's a reporter or something. And he sends her to this golf course, like a country club, to talk. To, oh no, I think they design clothes and they want to do tennis clothes, and so they get it, or golf clothes or something like that. And they end up with Wayne uh, Wayne Rogers as this famous either golfer or. I think it must be golf. And they end up having an affair. And he's kind of pushing her to have an affair because he can't fulfill her sexually. And all the while, they have this friend played by Burt Convy, who's this Lothario. And he's like, well, if Robert Reed's telling you have sex, you should have sex with me. <laughs> and she's like, no. And I'm like, are you stupid? Although Wayne Rogers is pretty good. Floppy seconds, I have to admit. So he did stuff like that. But Secret Nightcaller, I don't know if it's my favorite Robert Reed movie, but I think it's his most mm. interesting. And I'll go ahead. So I played part of the clip at the beginning, but let me, it's very short, but let me play the whole thing. You see, Doctor, I begin to think that we all may be mad. What, for instance, are, are they all thinking? All those people alone in all those cars. 
what fantasies are being lived, what crimes are being dreamed of. Are they like mine? And right after that monologue, he, he's in a car and there's that voiceover. And then he pulls up next to this woman who's in a, I think she's in a convertible. And he fantasizes just going over to the car and like humping her. Hmm. Yeah, it's like one of the oh. opening scenes from the movie. But it's about a guy who's like, I think he works for the IRS or he's like a tax guy. He has a real humdrum life. He's in a real kind of loveless marriage. He's got kind of a, I don't want to say she's bitchy because that kind of takes away from her character. But he's got a daughter he really likes and he's got some plants. He likes his plants. He also has this penchant for crank calling women and leaving obscene phone calls, you know, and eventually it leads to almost killing someone because he keeps harassing this woman he works with to the point where like every time she gets a phone call, she begins to freak out and she runs down to the street and gets hit by a car. She's in her car and gets in a car accident. He also goes to strip clubs and he crank calls the strippers and one of the strippers recognizes his voice and she's blackmailing him and he tries to kill her. Like his whole life just spirals out of control. It's sort of like a day in the life of someone going crazy. And it's it's got really amazing. There's this really amazing scene where he's fighting with his wife. And the scene itself isn't so amazing, but the camera shot is done like from the ground up. And his head is resting on this door. And it's just this very cockeyed, skewed view of how he lives his life. It's a really amazing, I guess, if you're not into TV movies, it might not be your thing. But if you really can watch it in the context of when it came out, I think you really get something out of it. It's It's really deep and intense. And his performance is like unlike anything you've ever seen. And that's the movie I think um, makes a really great introduction to what I think Robert Reed was trying to do um, after being Mr. Brady. So that's my recommendation. May I, may I mention the Brady Bunch of Variety Hour real yeah, quick? Yeah. The very first episode, I may have said this before, but it fits in the context here nicely. The very first episode, the, the plot line is that all of the kids are embarrassed by Mike singing and dancing because they don't think he does it very well. But they're wrong. And that's that's the thing. It's like Bobby is trying to get a replacement. He gets like Rip Taylor or something like that. <laughs> and it all gets out of hand pretty quick. Yeah, I guess so. Or Tony Randall. Wait a minute. Am I? Uh, maybe. That's a little better. I, yeah, but uh, but that's just just the you know he um I, I do I do like him you know with mustache without yeah I like him both I have to say part of this comes from I have a lifelong crush on Robert Reed too I mean I'm not gonna lie uh, you know he was probably one of my first crushes because I grew up watching the Brady Bunch it was already airing when I was born and I don't necessarily know that I watched it when I was that little but definitely like from the time I was old enough to recognize what TV was and start picking out TV shows I liked the Brady Bunch came into my life and it stayed there and it's still there. I watch it whenever I can. I never get tired of it. I've probably seen every episode like 1,500 times. Of all the people on that show, he's always the one that I'm most interested in. I always think he's he's too good for Mrs. Brady, confession. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he could do better. He's really wonderful on that show, and he's like the perfect dad. You know, he's the perfect dad. And he knew yeah. when he was doing it that he was sort of stereotyping himself, and he was concerned about that. And I think that's why he sought out these types of films. He also did a soap opera, and I can't remember which soap it was, but I have some clips from it, actually. Somebody um, gave them to me because they knew I was a Robert Reed fan. It was really interesting. I, I will say it's not his best performances, but I like the fact that he tried daytime, because daytime is a really hard genre that people yeah. don't respect. And Search for Tomorrow, he played oh, okay. sure, Search sure. for Tomorrow. So he did, he did a little bit of everything. He did like dinner theater, you know, he did it all. And I think he did it really well. And I think he's worth rediscovering, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I have just one more promo here. This is for a TV movie he made that I actually haven't seen, but I have on VHS um, called Snatch. Here's the original promo for it. They've been kidnapped. 
Kidnapped? Howard Duff. No! Leslie Nielsen. What's going to happen to us? John Saxon. Robert Reed. I'm not going to pay my part of the ransom! He said he wasn't going to pay it. Now, you all better figure out between you which one of you is the kind of wife that deserves ending up dead. Barbara Parkins. Sherry North. Tisha Sterling. So they actually don't say the movie title, which is really <laughs> frustrating. That's a TV movie called Snatched, which obviously has an amazing cast. And just so you know, Howard Duff is going to make a second appearance tonight. Wow. Totally unintentional, but it turns out he is the supporting guy in a lot of these movies. So he just kind of showed up again. Anyway, so that's my choice. Yay. I'm going to go ahead and turn the um, table over to Nate. Oh, well, I have gone with Robert Urich. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean... Um, I remember him um, originally, for me, it was in 1990. He was in um, a made-for-TV movie with Terry Garr called A Quiet Little Neighborhood of Perfect Little Murder. And that has always been one of my favorite movies. Um, I love the cast. I mean, it's it's got a lot of – and I actually had pulled it up online because I was trying to remember – I mean, everybody that's in it. I mean, you got Terry Garr. Robert Urich, Florence Stanley, Jeffrey Tambor, Alex Rocco. Oh, wow. Cast. Yeah, that is a great cast. And it's a fun little movie. But, you know, of course, then I saw him in stuff like Soap, where he played the oh. tennis player who gets yeah. murdered. Peter. Yeah, the Peter the tennis player. <laughs> I think that was um, the first thing I saw him in. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, um, and I saw this other TV movie that I'm dying to watch now because I came across it when I was doing, you know, my research, and it's called When She Was Bad. It's got Cheryl Ladd and Robert Eric. Yep, I have that. I'm like, oh, I I have to watch this movie. I mean, it sounds like my kind of film. It's right uh, across, yeah. Yeah, to check out. I actually think, I haven't seen it yet. I I just recently got a copy of it. I actually think it's not as salacious as it sounds. Ah, because it does sound, you know, it sounds reading about it. There's this movie called The Seduction of Gina that I, I'm with Valerie Bertinelli, and I'm like, oh, my God, is that the best movie ever? And it's, like, about a girl who has a gambling addiction. And I'm like, really? Oh, that's oh. The Seduction. Yeah, like, oh. come on, guys. Um, but I feel like When She Was Bad is actually about an abusive mother, but I'm not positive of that. But I, I, I think it was the title that drew me to it. And then somebody actually gave me a copy of it. I have so many good people in my life. And um and I feel like I looked it up and I was like oh and so I have that's why I haven't watched it yet but I can't remember the title is so intriguing. See they know that though TV movies are all about intriguing titles. Oh yes. <laughs> but um you know I have to say I think I mean obviously you know I like uh, him an in invitation to hell. Oh yes. Which I believe yeah. we've discussed already. Yes, we've done the West yes. Craven episode. But yeah, I mean that was a lot of fun. But for me, I don't. I'm always going to remember him. For Quiet Little Neighborhood, A Perfect Little Murder, because when I was a kid, I saw that when I was 10 years old, the mystery aspect of it like completely drew me in, because the plot line of the film is Terry Garr and Robert Urich have just moved into the suburbs, and they've got a baby monitor, and she starts picking up this frequency of uh, another of telephone line in the general vicinity of two people who are basically plotting... Uh, to kill the man's wife. So all she knows is their name. So she invites everybody that has that name over for a barbecue. <laughs> she could try to pick. It's very, you know, amateur uh, detective sure. with her trying to figure out, you know, who's uh, going after who. And, of course, Robert Urich plays the husband who 
it starts to think she gets a little obsessed with it. <laughs> and I, I mean, I remember it well because I've seen it so many times, but I cannot find this movie anywhere now. Huh. Like, I can't find it anywhere to watch. And I'd love to see it again. That's interesting. I feel like I think I have a perfect little What's the one that's about John Benet Ramsey? I think I have a very similar title, but not the same movie. Perfect Little Town. What was it uh, called? I don't know. I can I can look it up. No. You're gonna take a look up John Benet Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a couple of um, clips. There, so Robert Yurk was a lot easier to grab clips from because he made a, a lot of these TV movies that Dan and I and you'll know Dan's pick in a second. Uh, we're talking about came out in the early '70s before VCRs, so there wasn't a lot caught as far as promos. Um, but Robert Yurk, of course, he acted from the '70s into the '90s. I, I think he died in the '90s. Something that's interesting about well, I'll wait till Dan does his pick and then I'll bring it up. But he's a lot easier. His promos are a lot more available. So I have a, a few of them here. I'm just going to play a couple. One of them, and I actually haven't seen this movie either, but I know it's streaming on Amazon Prime. And I don't know why I haven't sat down to watch it yet. But Robert York was in a remake of The Defiant Ones with Carl Weathers. And here's the promo for it. They escape from one living hell. They're out there somewhere. And they hate each other. They were chased into another. Don't give me orders, boy. Next time I hear you call, boy, I better be one around. The law didn't destroy them. They destroy themselves. That boss is going to run them right into our arms. Get off, Joker! You can make it! Carl Weathers, Robert Urich. You can make it, Mr. Johnson! In the world television premiere of The Defiant Ones, next Sunday. You can make it, Mr. Johnson. Aren't they on first name basis? Because they're like chained together, right? Hmm. I mean, have you guys seen the original Defiant Ones with Tony? I, I haven't seen other versions, to be honest. <gasps> Nate, you're too busy watching it's Last Supper Party. Oh, but it, it just it drew me in with its <laughs> complex plot. <laughs> as it should, as it should. Um, the, in the original, I mean, they're they're handcuffed together, right? And so you think they'd be on friendlier terms than Mr. Johnson? How long are they handcuffed together? Long enough that the term Mr. Johnson takes on another meaning. <laughs> That's my response to that. He also did another movie that I think is uh, really, um, I haven't seen it. I feel so bad. There's a lot. Of, I, you know, so it turns out I haven't seen a lot of Robert York TV movies. I've seen mostly his TV series. Same here. And, yeah. and I've seen a lot of his TV series. But uh, like Invitation to Hell is, the, I guess, the movie that comes to mind when I think of Robert York, and then the one I'm going to recommend. But he did a TV movie called Blind Faith, which I have a commercial for here. And I think that that was meant to be like another Fatal Vision, which was that pretty famous movie with Carl Malden and uh, Gary Cole. That was the true crime story about the guy that supposedly killed his uh, wife and two kids. And thought he got away with it, but because Carl Malden was so intrepid, he went to prison, and he's still in prison, and a lot of controversies come out from that particular book. So that author wrote another book called Blind Faith about another crime, and here's the ad for it. Tomorrow, a suicide attempt. Is that how much he loves us? A wealth of conflicting evidence. If Dad's telling the truth, then why is everyone else lying? And the relentless prosecutor. He loves no one but himself. All leads to one question. Did you have anything to do with the death of your wife? Absolutely not. From the author of Fatal Vision, Blind Face, tomorrow after Matlock. Oh, my gosh, the announcer is talking really, really fast in that. I know, wow. he's only got 20 or 30 seconds to get it all out there. But Steve, could you take it up one notch? Yeah, I got it. I can talk faster than that. Come on. Let me tell you the IMDb uh, little synopsis they have. A wealthy businessman is accused of murdering his wife to collect insurance money to pay gambling debts, just like the seduction of Gina, I'm sure. 
Although his three sons initially believe his innocence, his actions and court evidence soon begin to prove otherwise. So this is basically Fatal Vision, but with different actors and different character names. I don't know. Now I'm starting to get offended because, you know, there's a lot of controversy about Fatal Vision. We'll talk about that because Carl Malden's going to come up here in a minute. But anyway, that's I would like to see this movie because I think it's a mini series, which means it's like four hours of Robert Yerk and four hours of Robert Yerk being bad. That could be fun. That I could like be yeah. villain. That could be really fun. That's what I'm putting out there. He did a lot of stuff, though. Like, he was in Princess Daisy, which was like a romance movie. He also had a pretty wide variety of films that he where he played different types of characters. And he did comedy and drama, I think, equally well. I was telling Dan before the show that a friend of mine bought me the, um, like I said, another person bought me something. Um, they got me the uh, DVD set to Tabitha, which was the spinoff series of Bewitched. Well, spinoff, like, eight years later or whatever. But, you know, where Lisa Hartman plays Tabitha, grown up. And she's out on her own. And Robert Yurick works at... The, I think she works at a TV station and I feel like he's an anchorman sort of like Ted Baxter kind of all about himself and he's hilarious he's so good in it but then at the same time he's Spencer for hire and I don't remember Spencer ever being funny yeah neither do I I, I watch Spencer uh, quite a bit I don't remember him ever being funny he's just Yuriki. he's Yuriki. And, and in Vegas Yuriki. he was sort of a combination of the of the two right yes he was like that mm-hmm. Magnum character but before for Magnum. Yes, if you used before. Which is interesting. So I'll just bring this up real quick. So Robert Yurick and Tom Selleck, who were very good friends, and I think they lived next door to each other for a while, they made a pilot TV episode in the 70s called Bunko, which also starred Donna Mills. It only had that one episode, which is, I think you could buy on I bought it on VHS for like no money. I think it's pretty readily available. But the original uh, critiques of it, like in the newspapers and maybe TV Guide, was that the two actors lacked presence and would never be able to carry a series. Tom Selleck and (laughs) Bob Yerick. Wow. Yeah, does that Does that make sense to you at all? And it's really good. It's a really good pilot movie. It's really good. And so I'm not really understanding. It's not a movie. It's a TV episode. I'm not understanding the correlation of where we – that's a lot of pot. Yeah. A lot of residual 70s pot. (laughs) <laughs> and if you don't think those two guys are could could lead their own series, wow, yeah, I wonder what series you were watching that time. You were be- the critic was bemoaning the fact that I don't know my three sons had finally gone off the air. <laughs> <or something laughs> <like that>. <laughs> guys, well, it was a comedy. It was very much like a Vegas oh. or um, Magnum, like a switch or something like yeah, that with Eddie Alto officers. And so they like they just do like minor like scam crimes and stuff. And Donna uh-huh. Mills is like one of their partners, and they just get into like hijinks. And it's not like a meant. To, it's not a straight comedy, but it's mm-hmm. definitely got comedic elements. And yeah. Like Rockford did. Yeah, sometimes. yeah, it's very much in that vein, and I'm I'm surprised that it didn't go over as well as as it did, because it's really good. It's solid. When did Tom, Tom When did he grow the mustache? I know he had it when he was on Rockford when he played the yeah, the he wonderful just, he was detective. The Daughters of Satan is that the name of that horror movie? Yeah, like from '74, the yeah, Filipino. But he did do a movie called The Movie Murderer in '73. Which mm-hmm. he doesn't have the mustache. Wow! Did they like put makeup over it to, <laughs> to hide it, like like the Joker, Cesar Romero, and Batman? Or did he actually? Yeah, I don't. I just don't think he had he had tried it out yet. To be honest with you, wow. was he on the dating game and he didn't have a mustache? We're totally getting off topic. Uh, <laughs> this isn't about Tom Selleck, who, by the way, makes really good TV movies too. 
just so you know. Mm. Uh, anyway, but those two, it's really interesting that those two guys were really friendly because they're the same type in a, in a way as far as like yeah. TV series anyway. Actually, when you think about it, you could uh, say Blue Bloods is in line with Spencer for Hire oh, in some yeah. ways. You know what I mean? In tone. And uh, Amanda, isn't Magnum one of your favorite shows? It's like my all-time favorite primetime show. Was, I was going to say, why have you never done a Magnum podcast where you go through ep- like one or two episodes at a time and just talk about it? I'm going to. Oh, there's ideas. It's oh boy, so good! It's so the, good. It's really the Made for TV Mayhem Network. Yeah. is expanding. I could probably talk forever and ever about Magnum, and, but in ways that nobody would care about. I could moderate, so each episode is under three hours long. Okay, <laughs> you would need to. But anyway, back to Robert Ure. <laughs> yeah, he was a solid uh, TV movie actor. He did a lot of movies that I would say were pretty good, even at the time when TV movies were sort of dying out, he was still working pretty heavily in them. And I think making movies that people were still really interested in. Like, I'm looking at the titles here. Uh, Deadly Relations is a movie I remember. Survive the Savage Sea. Oh, and then she was gone. Didn't he do one about a shark? Um, was that Robert Yurk? Where it's a true story about those people who get shipwrecked. It's a family. And they're, like, on a life raft for, like, a week. And there's, like, sharks and everything. Do you remember that movie? I don't remember that. I feel like it was a late '80s, early '90s movie. It must be survived the. Was, was that one? Of, was that one of the Spencer TV movies? Yeah. Does he show up in the end and beat up the Spencer shark? Spencer all of a sudden has a family. <laughs> yeah, this is it. It's called Survive the Savage Sea. This is a TV movie I remember loving, and I've, I think I've actually been looking for it. Maybe it's available now. I, I don't know. Jack and Claire Carpenter realize his lifelong dream. Oh, they realize his lifelong dream. Getting eaten by a shark. Oh, no. Do you like how Jack and Claire realize his lifelong dream? Her dream was oh. like, not get on a boat. but Claire does not. Yeah, Claire <laughs> has no dreams. That was Claire's thing. By selling the family farm and uprooting their four kids to buy a yacht, to buy the yacht Providence. Sons Gary, Brian, and Timmy give it an honest try, and daughter Susan decides to take a job in a port. Her place is taken by, well, that's a long synopsis, Wally Hudson, who wanted <laughs> a lift to Tahiti and proves a spoiled brat without the sailing experience he claimed. Shortly after sighting whales, they are hit by a whole group and sink, too fast to think of sending a radio message. Their inflatable raft is too small for six people, and supplies are only for a day or a day or three to get 1,000 miles further, where sea traffic is far more likely to find them, Jack designs a sail. Everything proves hard, even the rain they desperately long for, but the boys show great courage. Only after weeks, Susan gets a search started. All right, that was a synopsis, I, but I think there's a shark in that. I I, I like the uh, day or three. You know, it's <laughs> like, Jack, he likes the chicken parmesan, and he will have seconds. But maybe he shouldn't because we're stranded. But he might. We never know. This is all his dream. Yeah, maybe that's so. the right movie. But because that sounds really not great. He was also in Love Boat: The Next Wave. Correct? Yes, he was. I love Love Boat: The Next Wave. I've seen every episode of it, and I have the pilot episode. And it's not. It's not a TV movie though. It's just an I hour. I think it's just an hour long. He's really good in it though. I, I mm-hmm. kind of feel like I want to tell this Robert Yurk story, even though it's really sad. Nate, what do you think? You're you're in charge of the Robert Yurk section. Uh, I think I'd like to hear it. Okay. All right. Years ago, you know, Robert Yurk had cancer for a long time. I mean, a long time. And he got fired from a TV show, I think, because they were having problems with him health-wise. And there was a big clusterfuck. And anyway, he was doing the Hollywood Parade 
I think while he was recovering from his first bout of cancer, one of his first bouts, or maybe he was still dealing with it. And I think he was on a lot of medication and he was on the radio. I always feel horrible telling the story, but it always makes me laugh. So they're like, wow, Robert, you're, you've been through so much and you're just, you're just an inspiration and you're I'm an amazing guy and your career is amazing. And, you know, everybody just loves you. And there's like a, there's a beat of silence. And then he goes, watch Love Boat. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Oh, now I want to watch Love Boat. Wasn't it? It always <laughs> makes me laugh when I think about it because I was listening to the interview when I lived in LA, and I was like, oh, "That's really funny." Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Everybody's gonna hate me after this podcast. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, because I felt horrible because he he was sick for a long time, and it was very sad when he was gone. And mm-hmm. we think about him all the time. I think he's one of those actors that has kind of just stayed, for those of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s, I think he's always stayed uh, very close to our heart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah. Nate, what, your recommendation would be the perfect murder, perfect little town, perfect little murder? Yes. Um, just because I think it's very, very underrated. Cool. I'm going to seek it out. Dan. It's a lot of fun. Oh, it sounds fun. Oh, uh I was going to say, Perfect Murder, Perfect Town is the Jean Bidet Ramsey. Okay, see, it's very close. I feel like I have that one. That that was I. I knew I could get that in there somewhere. But uh, my my, I, I would either, uh, you know what, you pick, you tell us yours first, Amanda. I don't want to step on yours because I I've only seen a few of his TV movies, and I know you have you've only seen a few too. So I want you to say yours because okay. you told that story. I've got two. Oh, I've already actually talked about one. We talked about it last week, so I'll just bring it up again. It's called it's called A Perfect Stranger. Uh, we talked about it when we were talking about Darren McGavin. Um, it stars Robert Urich and Darren McGavin, and I think her name's Stacey Haduk. Um, she plays Patty on oh, Young yeah. and the Restless. And it's a, based off a Daniel Steele novel, and it's about a woman, Stacey Haddock, who's very young, and she's married to a much older man, played by Darren McGavin, and they're heavily in love, but he's dying. And she is hesitant to go out and meet someone else, but by chance, she gets on a plane or something. I think it's a plane, and Robert Urich is on the plane with her, and he kind of, she's nervous about flying, and they have turbulence, and they have like a nice moment. And he's really interested in her, but she's dealing with this dying husband. And it's a really, really sweet film. He's great in it. Of course, he's like the perfect leading man. Everybody's really good in it. Darren McGavin's really good in it. Stacey Haddock's uh, exceptional. She's beautiful. Uh, but it's a really sweet movie. It's very, very much like a Daniel Steele adaptation, but not goofy. I'd say it's sentimental, but it's not like, gee, what's the one that she made with Jeannie Garth? Was it Star? That one's horrible. It's not like that. It's not like that. It's really, really good. It's really sweet. He's great in it. Uh, that would be my first recommendation if you like romance movies. The other movie was actually a USA original. Um, it's one of the first. I think it was the fourth USA original ever made. It's called Murder by Night. It's about a guy who gets hit on the head while he's jogging. And he, I think he sees a crime. And he gets hit on the head. And he wakes up in the hospital. And Michael Ironside plays the police officer who is investigating a murder. Uh, the murder that Robert Urich may have seen. But the more and more he investigates, the more and more it looks like Robert Yerk may have actually been the killer. But he has amnesia, so he can't actually remember what happened or if he's committed this series of horrible crimes that have been happening throughout the city. And it's a really, really cool atmospheric little movie. I feel like the guy who did the music for Prom Night did the music for it, and it may have been directed by the guy who directed Prom Night. I can't remember now, but it's got a bunch of Palm Night connections. And it's it's very much, I mean, it's a low-budget affair because it's a USA original, so they did it for very little money. But it looks good. Uh, Michael Ironside is great in it. It's got Kay Lenz, who's also amazing, and Robert Yerk and Jim Metzler, 
who, um, do you remember that movie One False Move? I guess that's what he's most famous for. I think so, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, yeah. he was one of the main actors in that. Yeah, it's directed by the guy who did Prom Night. Paul Zaza is the music. Yeah, he Prom did the Night, he yeah. did the music for for Murder by Night as well, and it's a Canadian movie. Uh, it's really really good. I think it's pretty easy to figure out who did what to whom, but it doesn't <laughs> matter because Robert York's so good in it, and it's like you you care about the mystery even though the mystery is not that strong, because the performances are so good. So that would be my recommendation: Murder by Night. Awesome. I'm going to just throw three things out there. Just because you've already said stuff. So these are the three things I know of. He has a brief part in Killdozer. Oh, sure. Which is always worth watching. Yes. Invitation to Hell, of course, I love. If you listen to our second episode, you know I, I I get a real kick out of that movie. But I see he was also in, and this is a miniseries, but I forgot he was in America. Oh, that's right. Which I watch religiously as a 14-year-old and understood about one hour's worth in 14 and a half hour. I'm interested in watching it again as a grown-up. I might really, really like it. Now, back then, I kept watching it day after day after day after day, having more and more trouble with it. Because I was hoping it would be like Red Dawn, but 14 hours long. Sure. You know, I was hoping it would be 14 hours of, like, Robert Urich and a bunch of other guys with, you know, just storming places and getting rid of the commies. It's not that. It's much more um, uh, cerebral, I believe. So yeah. I would, I'm going to say America because he's in that, and he's, he's good in pretty much everything I've seen him in. Yeah, so. he, I don't think he's ever not been good in anything. Yeah, and, and if you just want to have fun, go watch some Vegas or, or Spencer is, is wonderful also. Yeah. So. Vegas would be my choice for TV series, I think. Or Mother soap. soap. Yeah, soap. I mean, oh, yeah. that's such a good introduction to him. And um, mm-hmm. and even though he's only in like he's only in like the, a handful of episodes, mm-hmm. but it leads. It's so important to the to the beginning of the series. You know. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah, Robert York is a perfect choice. I'm really glad you picked him because we don't often talk about newer TV movies, and um, that's too bad because there's some really really good ones. And I'm certainly not going to be talking about no, any newer ones, a, unfortunately. I'm, you're taking I'm sorry. time, Dan, so why don't you tell us who you pick? I pick everyone's favorite uh, – I, I did some uh, research on him today. Everyone's favorite Greek actor, oh. <laughs> Christopher George. Yay. Hooray! Now, um, now you, you might say, if you were my wife, Dan, the reason why you picked Christopher George is so the last three nights you could say to me, Honey, we're watching Pieces. <laughs> and when, when my wife says, I don't want to watch Pieces again, I say, this is research for the podcast. Even though it's and not a says, TV movie. Okay. Yeah, I say, you know, this is all, this is all important. And I said, no, that's his wife, you know, and it's, it's all important stuff. Sure. I've been trying to do a Christopher George impression all week, and I just can't, I just can't do, I can't do it. He has a very, very specific voice, and he's hard to yes. impersonate. It's kind of like, it's, it's rough, and every once in a while it kind of breaks up high a little bit. Yeah. But he stu- his, his first big thing was Rat Patrol, sure. TV show in the mid-60s. Uh, Eric 60s. Braden from Young and the Restless. Oh, yes. Yeah, they were on there for two seasons. That's actually where he got in the accident that unfortunately caused his early death. Yeah. That's what I wanted Uh, to bring up real quick. So, you know, we all picked actors who died young. And I think Barbary was actually the oldest. Uh, He was 62, I think, when he passed away. And that boggles my mind. Yeah, Christopher, uh, Christopher, uh, Chris George was um, uh, 52, I think. Yeah, and uh, I think Robert York was 55. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah. That. 
I would have picked someone who, who lasted forever. Like Ed Asner. Yeah, exactly. Precisely, yeah. So Christopher George, he was in a, approximately, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine TV movies. Yeah, yeah I was surprised that it, I thought he would have been in more. It's it's basically, they're all, they're a bunch of them from like 69 to 72. Yeah. Then there are a couple around 75. Then there's Cruz Natera in 78. But that was it. Well, after Cruz Natera, where do you go? Oh my gosh, Cruise of Terror. I watched that the other night. Oh it's my so god. So good, isn't it? We oh. should do <laughs> you, you, you like that one? Nathan? I love that one. It's so good. I have a sound bite. Do you want to just Ooh. Oh yeah, okay. please. Now would you agree that us uh, married women have a few things on those little nymphets running around up there? I never disagreed. Oh well I saw the way you were looking at Judy and what's your name? Marilyn? Darling, just because I'm on a diet doesn't mean I can't look at the menu. Now hurry up and get dressed. <laughs> oh, uh, just save room for dessert. I love that. I love that scene so much. It's so good. I can't stop. I have to giggle every time I hear it. They're so adorable together. That's his real life wife, too. Yes. Yeah. They. Yeah. Well, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll just start from the back real quick. Cruise de Terror is, it's, I, I saw someone somewhere called uh, sort of like the evil love boat or something well, like that. Oh, I talked about Fantasy Island Goes to Hell. Look at that. I don't think it's quite that, but it has so many great actors in it. Oh. It's not the, the 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 best at sea TV movie is still the one that I just forgot the name of with Doug McClure, Satan's Triangle. Oh, yeah, that, sure. Well, that's, that's, that's legitimately scariest, yeah. Yeah, but Cruising to Terror, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm I'm looking at my Merrill right here, and I'm just going to say, what do we got? Cruising to Terror. Dirk Benedict, Frank Converse, John Forsyth, Linda Day George, Christopher George, Joanne Harris, who I love from BJ and the Bear and Deadly Games, uh, Lee Merriweather, Ray Milland, Hugh O'Brien, Stella Stevens. What? Yeah. It's like everybody. She's a brunette in that. Everybody is in Cruising a Terror. I think, I think it moves. It's, it's a little slower pace than it should be. It's fun. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It it has revelations in it. When they come, it's like, wow, this is a little later than I thought this revelation should be. It's great. Cruising to Terror is excellent. Uh, Christopher George is one of those guys who, if this were post uh, Friday the 13th, he would have been killed off within the first half hour. Sure. But it's pre-Friday the 13th kind of slasher world. And so he, he doesn't actually die, which is surprising, which surprised the heck out of me, because I thought he died early on. And I was like, I was sitting there watching it, and I, my wife was sitting there, and she said, "We're we're watching a season, of the latest season of Elementary." And she said, "Well, watch your movie, and as soon as he dies, we'll watch an episode." Uh-huh. And I said, "Okay." And we were sitting there. I was like, "I'm sorry, honey. I thought he died earlier." Than this. <laughs> and we watched the whole friggin' movie. Yeah, but it's a good like, movie. It is a good. It's movie. really we over the enjoy. top. I think I only remember the end because there's like a showdown between the sarcophagus and John Forsythe, right? And it's yes. like breathing yeah. or something. And oh yes, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a fun movie, and it's got. Did you say Hugh O'Brien? Oh, I did. Hugh uh, O'Brien's the captain. He's he's, uh, he's one of the stars of Search, one of my favorite. He's a shows. little bit of heaven. So is Dirk Benedict, he's, and I think uh, also you said Roger Mosley from Magnum. Uh, did I? Did I? Uh, but I know he's in it. Yes, he is. I'm sorry, I didn't get that far. <gasps> there was, Roger he's the Mosley. first name you should mention when you're talking about him. Hillary Thompson, Marshall Thompson. Were the others so <laughs> oops sorry everybody <laughs> so i'm just gonna i'm gonna hop back real quick i'm just gonna go real fast through the christopher george tv movies the first one is the immortal uh from 1969 the immortal it's quite good it's he it turns out uh christopher george 
as if we didn't know, has a very specific blood type that extends human life. And makes you pose a playgirl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a few years down the line. I've never seen his playgirl spread. Is it um, His spread? Oh, boy. I've, Holy shlomoly. Is it a good time? It's okay. It's actually kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I don't like looking at penises all the time. Contrary to popular belief. Are you looking at penises now? I'm actually not, no. Okay. Neither am I. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a Nate? microphone and all these Meryl. Nate, are you looking oh, at Oh, you caught me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew one of us would be. Yeah. Yes. Well, one of us yes. at any given time should be looking at a penis. Looking at oh, a penis. yes. So true. <laughs> So he's in the immortal, and the moment everyone finds out that he has this blood um, that prolongs life and heals, everyone starts to come after him, and he sort of goes on the run. His girlfriend in it is Carol Lindley, yeah. which, which means that she likes those. She loved Darren McGavin and Night Stock. Leathery, grizzled. I do, too. Carol Lindley and I have the same taste in men, I think. Yeah. Well, Christopher George, in 1969, he wasn't quite no, that wasn't. He was really Let gorgeous. I mean, he was gorgeous in the 80s, even before he passed away, I think, even after all the smoking, God knows that he did and all that stuff. Yeah. And the it was like c- cigars and booze. Not, I don't I don't know if it booze to excess, but cigars and booze. He liked it. And I, I can't say I'm not a cigar man, but I enjoy some booze. Sure. So I'm doesn't. Put it there. Um, his next movie was The House on Green Apple Road. One of the great- House on Green Apple Road. He plays Dan August. His his uh, his partner is Keenan Wynn, and House on Green Apple Road. Just basically, it's Eve Plum comes home as a little girl because she was a little girl. Comes home from school one day and finds kitchen of her house all torn up and blood everywhere, and her mother's gone missing. They think it's the dad who's like a salesman, traveling salesman, and Dan August, played by Christopher George, is on the case to try to track down Janet Lee is the woman who went yeah. missing, to try to track her down, find out where she where she is because there's no body, it's, there's just a lot. Of it's blood. one of the great mysteries I think from the early '70s TV movies. And did you know that Christopher George was approached to be in the TV series? Yes. He didn't want to do it, so he said, "You guys should hire my buddy Burt Reynolds, who was mm-hmm. then not famous." And they were like, "Okay, whatever." And so they hired him, and they made the, and the series wasn't popular at all. But then, like two years later, Deliverance came out, and they repackaged yeah. all of the movies, all of the episodes into TV movies. Oh wow, I did not. Yeah, know and I that. think a lot of them are available on VHS. They're real, I think they just edit the, the credits out of the end and merge it into the beginning of the next episode. There's not a lot oh, of yeah. editing prowess in it, but yeah, so it ended up having a whole life because of Burt Reynolds. But he was the original <laughs> Dan August. Yeah, that's and Christopher George, he's he's a fan. If if you um. If you only know him as a slightly goofy cop in pieces, he's a much more it's a much more controlled performance. Yeah, definitely. House on Green because he keeps coming up. Be- the the thing I love about House on Green Apple Road is that it wasn't a ninety minute TV movie. It wasn't a two hour TV movie. It was a two hour and fifteen minute. Is it really TV. that long? Yes, which meant that instead of being about ninety eight minutes long, it's about a hundred nine, hundred and ten. So it's about 10 to 15 minutes longer than your average two-hour TV movie. Right. And so it's just just got that little bit of extra in it. I want to say it was based on a novel. Uh, I is. believe it was. It is. Uh, his uh, name was it, Nolan or something in it. He had a different last name. It has all the sort of uh, bulk of a well-done mystery novel behind it. And it's really – I wish someone put out a good copy of this because the only ones I've seen uh, are, are pretty gay. Yeah, it's not, it's not uh, great, the transfers. And it's but he's he's so good and he's so uh, he's he's like Christopher George's performance. He's he's tough, 
but he's not a, he's never a jerk. No, no, no. I was not and, insensitive at all, I don't think. And like and and you go and he he's just trying to find out what's going on. The politics are are giving him trouble that that amass around it. Ed Asner's in. Yes, Ed Asner is in it. And Ed Asner's a jerk. I I I I think in the future we'll probably cover how Yeah, we have to. It's a classic. It, it's it's one of my all time favorites, and he's so he's the anchor in it. That just he's and and he he's got so many great moments in it, and the moment when he in the end when he discovers what's up, he has a look on his face that is just like wow. It's like when you think of Chris, Christopher George from you know City of the Living Dead and Mortuary and uh, Grizzly and uh, you know Pieces, he has a look on his face where it's like wow, he's good, he's good. So, House on Green Apple Road. The next one was Escape. Go back to the first episode. You can hear me talk about Escape for like a twenty minutes. Escape is one of my favorite. I, I Escape is the if House on Green Apple Road is Christopher George being controlled and sort of the strong character. Escape is him being a goofball and just getting into all kinds of fights and watching him the way Christopher George fights people is so much fun because there's a scene in escape where he's in the bad guys hideout, uh, John Vernon's hideout. And like, it's like two, two, two bad guys will rush at him. And what he does is he'll leap on a couch and just throw himself into the air on top of them. It's such a strange way of fighting, (laughs) but escape escape is 72 minutes of joy. I absolutely love it. Unfortunately, now we start to wander in an area where I haven't seen the movies because they come, become tougher to find. There's one called Dead Men Tell No Tales, where I think he's like um, accused of something or other, but he didn't do it, and people come after him. It sounds like I fun. think that's what the heist is as well. And I have a clip. The, I have yeah, a clip the, from that when you get to it. Oh, okay. Um, the next one is Man on a String, which I believe is they were trying to reboot an old series from like the fifties, where he's like a cop in the middle of like um, uh, I think this in the middle of like a gang war or something like that, trying to suss something out. And then the next one is the heist, which we have a clip from. It should make life easy for all of us. My guys are out digging. Now uh, we're going to find what we're looking for. I'll have what I need to convict you in forty-eight hours. So, that's what you've got, 48 hours. What? 48 hours to give me the names of the other two guys. Will you listen to me? And give back the money. There is no money. And then we'll take it easy on you. You don't have to worry about that. I'm innocent. I've done nothing. (laughs) You can drop that act with me. That's no act. No, I've told you. I don't know who those guys are, and I don't know where that money is. Hey. What you did, the way you laid down and played dead, you try convincing someone of that, especially a jury. Uh, I really like that scene. If you ever get a chance to watch it, there's some really over-the-top acting going on in Christopher George's face that I can't oh, yeah. express it in this clip, but it's hilarious. It's, I I just love his I voice. do, too. Also, that was Howard Duff. That was his second appearance on this show. Okay. So, yay, Howard Duff. <laughs> yay, Howard you. The next film is uh, 1975 Last Survivors, yeah. where there are a bunch of people on a lifeboat that's, and uh, the captain. Is that a remake? That's a remake, isn't it? I feel like it was a remake, yeah. yes. And it was a captain has to decide 
who has to leave the lifeboat in order to save I everyone. I think Martin Sheen might be in that, too. Um, then May Day at 40,000 feet, which is a great, um, uh, you know, airport, airplane, not not airplane, airport, zero-hour style film. And then his last one in 1978 was Cruising to Terror. And uh, Linda Day, his wife, is in uh, May Day and Cruising to Terror with him. <laughs> There's something about Christopher George. Uh, the Like, the first thing I ever saw him in was Gates of Hell. Oh. Way back in the day, my stepdad, I was um, 11, uh, 1984, and my stepdad had a copy of it that just sitting on a dresser. Like, we, we had to stay at his house for a week because my mom went out of town, and he was he was watching us. This was before um, my stepdad married my, my mother. And so we were staying at his house, and randomly on a cabinet, on top of a cabinet, there was a thing that just said, Gates of Hell with a big X next to it. Ooh. And one day when he was out, I went sure. down to Beta, Beta Max, and I threw in a little Gates of Hell. And uh, it was, it was. I, I don't think I made it too long into it, but I definitely saw him in that. And then pieces, of course, and then the TV movies. But I just, um, I just, I just, I just think he's fantastic. And the fact that you know he can be his gravelly voice, and he can sometimes go a little overboard. But the fact that uh, Linda Day married him. Well, that that uh, that that seals it. In my oh my book. God! Yeah, she's like perfection. Yeah, I I, I like. I think career. yeah, I think his career was a little bit narrower than what somebody like Robert Reed or even Robert Urich had, but he was really good in his roles. And one of the things I'm going to recommend uh, is a Charlie's Angels episode. I'm cheating because it's a two parter called <laughs> Terror on Skis. But there's this really great where he goes to visit Charlie. And um, and the angels, and he's telling them why they're being hired, and it's like he's in a fucking gazillion dollar budget movie. You know what I mean? Like it's not the most harrowing performance ever, or anything, but he's there. He's fully present in in the moment yes. and on a Charlie's Angels, and he, you know <laughs> what I mean? And he never looked down on the stuff he did. And I remember a story. Uh, the Catronia McCall that was in Gates of Hell, she said that um, yes, yes. he was a delightful, that he was always showing her pictures of his kids. And he was just a really mm. good guy and really fun and liked to laugh. And I think he, he just liked working. And he didn't look at that movie as like, oh, look at this maggots falling on people. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> this is horrible. He was like, you know what? I'm going to have a good time. And I'm going to make sure the people around me have a good time. And and that's kind of mm. his legacy, you know. And I think he's really amazing. Agreed. So if you had to pick one, Dan... One Christopher George movie, which because I know there's two that you love. Yeah. Um. Oh gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Green Apple Road Ooh. on this one. I'm gonna go with Green Apple Road on this one because I think es- Escape is Escape is a movie I put on when I'm feeling down and it brings me up. But House on Green Apple Road is a movie like because it's it's like 40 minutes longer and it's sort of more epic. It's like a movie I'll sit down. I've watched three times now. And when I sit down and watch it, it's like I sit down and I and I crack open a little little something and I I watch it and I just I get totally immersed yeah, in the world. It's amazing. And although Escape is one of my top three TV movies of all time, as we said in the first episode, I think Christopher George there are more. I think he has more emotions. Mm-hmm. In Green Apple yeah. Road, escape. His main emotion is like getting in fights and escaping from things, which is he does real well. <laughs> but I think I think I think Green Apple Road just comes together. You watch him in that, and if you like him in that, you'll like him in anything else. Yeah, I agree. That was that was my pick too. Oh, oh that's okay. No, it's fine. I like Escape very much. 
I like The Immortal. I've only seen the pilot movie. I have the whole series, but I haven't had a chance to really sit with it. I think he's really good, but there, The House on Green Apple Road is another one of those TV movies that I think sort of transcends what it is. It's just really good. It's it's almost borders on a work of art, I think, in the way they intertwine all the characters together and the way they solve the mystery and the twist of the mystery, which we won't reveal here. It's also really cool. And like just that scene that you talked about with Eve Plum coming home with the bloody handprints on the refrigerator mm-hmm. and everything. She doesn't notice it because she's a little kid. It's very Shaun of the Dead, right? She's going through the house and yeah. calling out for her <laughs> yeah. mom. And then she's just like, oh, she's not here. And she goes to her neighbors. And then the neighbor's like, oh, my God, what just happened at this house? There's very little in TV movie history that I can think of that really tops the shocking the shocking moment when you see her daughter in the middle of what could possibly have been a really brutal murder and not realizing it. And you're terrified because what if he's still in the house? You know what I mean? There's just so much going on in just that scene that it really sets the tone. And there's also the scene at the beginning with Ed Asner, and I don't remember exactly what the conversation is. I wrote about this movie on my blog, and I took a still from it because I liked it so much. Ed Asner is standing, I think, with Christopher George and maybe Keenan Wynn in the forefront of the image is a flower Mm -hmm. it's just this beautiful rose and then behind them they're talking about this woman might have been murdered and it's just so well like shot you know the film itself it's just it's it's incredible it's 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 tricky too because it is one of those like with escape you can watch escape and go gosh i would have liked to have seen what he did next week if they made it into a show whereas green apple road stands completely on its own and you can't even you can't even like if that was all you saw of dan august that's all you need. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's it really is well That's done. That's amazing. Really and Nate, which movie would you recommend? I think I know what you're going to say, but what would you recommend? Well, um, TV movie wise, I'm going to go with Cruise into Terror. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even though it's not a made-for-TV movie, I can't not mention Pieces because I adore that film. <laughs> so good. Stay here. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. We just watched it, I don't know, like two months ago. You know, I keep... So here's something interesting. I work with a girl from Spain, and Juan Pacure Simone, I think is how you say his name, he, um, he lived in the same town she lived in, Valencia. And I was like, did you ever know of this guy? Did you ever hear about him? She's like, I'm not really sure, but she looked him up and she said, oh my God, he used to have a film festival that I used to go to. And oh, she never met him, but she was like in the same room with him at some point, I think. And I was like, oh my, so I was telling her about his films and she was like really interested. She's interested in anybody that comes out of Valencia. And she was like, wow. And I said, you know, I used to think his movies were knowingly over the top, but according to interviews that he's done, he was very serious about his movies, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that that he wasn't like winking at the camera ever, which is so weird because that's not the impression I get when I watch his films. But that's why they're so enduring, I think, because you're not really sure what you're looking at, so you have to keep coming back yeah. over and over again. You know, it's got a lot of heart, but it also has like, I mean, obviously it's really gory. It gives you everything you want in a horror movie, without being all that scary, yet having some really scary stuff in it as well. Yeah. It's really good. Also, he's really sexy and grizzly. Oh, yeah, I is, love grizzly. I do too. I do too. But there's a scene <laughs> at the beginning where he's dating that woman, and um, he's asking her about going out on a date, and he kind of looks at her like, you know, tonight it's going to happen. And every time I see that scene, I melt a little. I'm like, if he looks at me like that, it's on. <laughs> it's on. Yeah, he's one of my favorite actors. I adore him. So he was a really, really good pick. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a great pick. Yeah. Thank you. Feedback time. Yeah. Oh, yes. 
So we did get a lot of responses from people to talk about who their favorite TV movie actors were. And so I just, I'm just going to go over them. I'm not going to really do too much as a, of an introduction. You'll probably recognize 99.9% of the names, if not all of them. And some of the films we've already talked about, like, for instance, Carl Malden came up. Elizabeth Irwin, who is on Twitter at Lizzie Irwin, L-I-Z-Z-Y-E-R-W-I-N. And she's also a contributor to Horror Homeroom. And I think they're just at Horror Homeroom on Twitter. They're really amazing. Um, she picked two. She picked Ed Asner, who I think is brilliant. And I thought he was a really good choice. And Carl Malden. Now, Carl Malden, I'm not as familiar with his TV movies. I'm a big Streets of San Francisco fan. But I haven't seen him in too many movies. But he was in Fatal Vision, which we just talked about with Gary Cole, which he's amazing in that he won an Emmy it's a fantastic perform. I don't know that he ever did a bad performance but he's uh he's so good in that Gary Cole's amazing in it Gary Cole is, should also have been on this list I think he's another amazing actor but and Ed Asner Ed Asner turns out has been in a ton of amazing TV movies uh we mentioned Haunts of the Very Rich which he was in the soundbite I played he did a really great movie with Stalker Channing called The Girl Most Likely To have you guys seen that yeah, oh, I, I, that's I love yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, that's written by Joan that's, Rivers. Isn't that Joan yeah. Rivers? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and he plays the cop that's chasing her. So she, you know, is this ugly duckling who gets in an accident and transforms into this beautiful woman. But she uses her beauty to seek revenge against those who were mean to her when she was the ugly duckling. And Ed Asner is the cop that's on her trail, and he starts to fall in love with her mind because she's such a brilliant criminal. And it's just such an amazing movie. It's probably my favorite Ed Asner movie. He also did a really great TV movie called The Old Man Who Cried Wolf with, I think, E.G. Marshall, which is about a guy who witnesses a murder when he wakes up, like he gets hit on the head and, and right after the murder. And when he wakes up, like everything's been cleaned up and he's led to believe that he just imagined it. But he's an older man, so everybody treats him like he's senile. And Ed Asner plays either his son or his son-in-law. And Martin Balsam's in it. And there's a scene with E.G. Marshall. I hope it's E.G. Marshall. I'm going to feel really bad if I got that wrong. Martin Balsam and Ed Asner, and they're all standing in a circle. And I'm like, that's a lot of baby fat and body hair in one camera shot. <laughs> that's almost too much for me right there. But <laughs> I, I like all those actors very much. BK on the air, who's on Twitter at BK on air 1450. He picked one of the greats, Richard Crenna who has made so many TV movies, it would be impossible for me. But I went ahead and uh, decided. By the way, if you guys have anything you want to throw in there, let me know. I'm just rolling through these. Uh, May I just throw in Ed Asner was in The Gathering. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's a big movie. So he, Richard Crenna, the movie I picked was uh, Rape of Richard Beck, which is groundbreaking, still really effective about a cop who really treats women horribly and sexual assault victims, and then he is sexually assaulted, and it's all about his perspective of how he's looked at after the crime. And um, Karen Arthur directed it, uh, and I think maybe Meredith Baxter plays the therapist. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. He also was in a series of movies uh, that I call the Janik series. I don't remember the character's first name, but they were based off – at least one book. I guess they're all books. The first book was called Switch, uh, and the first TV movie is called Double Take. Now, I've read the novel. I haven't seen any of the Janik movies, but the the story of the novel was about a guy who kills two women, but he switches their heads. Oh, I've heard yeah, of that It's one. actually yeah. it's not my favorite book, but Richard Crenna plays the guy who solves the crime, and he did like seven or eight Janik movies that uh, I believe are supposed to be really good. And so I don't know if you guys have any Richard Crenna suggestions. Uh, Devil, Devil Dog. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That's a great movie, too. Great, great, great movie. One of the great. He did a, like oh, the same, like very close to when he did Rape of Richard Beck. How do you do that? Yeah, well, that's Richard Crenna for that you. He could do anything. <laughs> He's a, he was also in, and I, I've never seen this, but he was also in uh, the Sentinel, or it's not Sentinel. Uh, um, uh, oh, was it Sentinel? I don't know what that Wait is. That might be a Janik. Wait a minute. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up okay. to see what else he was in because uh, he was in something else that that I saw and thought oh interesting and now I'm getting it okay. wrong. Give me okay, a moment. Okay, I'm gonna Keep move talking. on. So uh, Sarah Solowski, who is on my blog's Facebook page, which is just at Made for TV Mayhem, picked Peter Falk, which mm. I thought was interesting because I don't think of Peter Falk as a TV movie actor, and I don't know if she was considering Columbo as a TV movie, but I think that's a legit choice. Yeah. Um, because you know I consider the Perry Mason TV movies. TV movies, not even though it was a series of TV movies. But I, I put down two movies that I think are worth checking out by Peter Falk or with Peter Falk, and that's Griffin and Phoenix, which is yes. one of my all-time favorite movies, and we'll probably talk about it at some other point. But it's about it's by the guys who did Soap, by the way. It's about two people who have cancer who meet each other and fall in love, but they don't realize that the other one also has cancer. And it's a comedy about dying, and it's it's one of the most moving things I've ever seen. It's beautiful, and. And oh, I, I believe that that was made. Forgive me. I believe that was made around the same time of uh, season six of Columbo, which only had like three oh. ninety-minute movies in it because he was doing this other thing, and he was also doing a John Cassavetes film, I think, or maybe Murder by Death or something. Yeah, but maybe. It was like, oh, like Griffin and Phoenix is by far my favorite Peter Falk movie. Uh, he also did mm-hmm. a series of Christmas movies. Uh, I only wrote down the first one. It's called A Town Without a Christmas, and where he plays like an angel character. I don't know if you guys have seen these, and he comes down oh. and he just sort of shows up in random places and kind of gives advice. And they're pretty good. The one that I remember is the one with Patricia Heaton. She's a news reporter, and a little boy writes a letter to Santa Claus, and it basically insinuates that he's going to kill himself on Christmas Eve. And so the letter goes kind of viral in 90s terms, you know, like it goes, it picks up, all the newspapers pick up on it, and they all go to this town to try to find this little boy. And it's it's a really good movie. Um, that one's from the 90s, I think. Melanie Ellen, I hope I said that right, she's awesome. She's also on my Facebook page. She picked two uh, really good choices. She picked Frank Converse. Oh. Who, it's hard to, well, Frank Converse wasn't moving on, but I don't know that he's necessarily famous for one thing. He's in a lot of different things. And he's a tall, sandy-haired, really handsome, deep-voiced uh, character actor. And I think his best TV movie is Dr. Cook's Garden with Bing Crosby, mm-hmm. where Bing Crosby plays a doctor who basically decides uh, whether or not you're a good person or healthy enough to live in his town. And if you're not, then he finds a way to get rid of you. And Frank Converse is the new doctor coming in and he starts to realize that something's not quite right in this perfect town. And it's, Mm. it's a really interesting look at Bing Crosby who never played bad guys, but then would be known later as being a not very nice person. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting movie to watch in retrospect, but it's, it's really, it's a solid film all around. You mentioned moving on in tandem is my favorite Frank Converse thing. That is the 90 minute TV movie that, Came out about six months before Moving uh-huh. On. Moving On was basically uh, mid mid seventies. Ran for two seasons. Claude Aikens, Frank Converse are truckers, and it's basically Route sixty six with truckers. Sure. And In Tandem is the movie, a TV movie where they meet oh. up. Uh, they they get in a bunch of a little adventures, and then in the end they have to uh, uh, help a uh, a farmer get his fruit to market, and they have to. And <laughs> the it, drama. It, it, the drama, and it basically what it is, is they're the the one way out of the farmer's farm is is filled with other farmers who are becoming violent about the. They don't want the the farmer to send his fruit out for assorted reasons, and so um, Claude and Frank basically drive around the side of a mountain. And the last 15 minutes of the movie is this wonderful, tense, and exciting footage of this huge rig on the side of these tiny mountain roads. And it's just, it's really wonderfully done. It's a great series. It's on Hulu. Uh, The TV movie isn't, 
but um, the, yeah, I, that's my favorite. Oh, that's a good his. pick. And I haven't seen him in two. I think was he in Cruise into Terror? Yes, yeah. he plays the um, the scientisty guy. The scientisty guy. I buy it. Who, I buy it. Who who uh, who when Ray, Ray Milland believes the sarcophagus is at a certain point, he says, "No, no, no. Things have shifted, and now it's over that's here." Fair. I forget what his. He's also in my least favorite Magnum P.I. episode. Oh, yeah, no. it's called something like the Kona Winds, and it's like whatever. But he looks really good in uh, it. And when we get to that episode, you can tell. Yeah, us I'll tell you why I like it. And he did. Yeah. Um, he did that episode a week before Granville Van Dusen showed up in the Hotel Dick. I think is the oh. episode. And I actually think Frank Converse. I said this before, but Frank Converse and Granville Van Dusen remind me of each other. So I thought mm. it was funny that they showed up a week apart on Magnum. <laughs> anyway. And then I hope I say her name right. It's Jenna Rio. So she spells it J G I N N A. Um, she has an amazing website called the Voyagers net, which is all about oh. the Voyagers. She's a huge Voyagers fanatic uh-huh. and she's really amazing and everybody should check that out. So she picked a few. She threw out just a bunch of names. One of them was Dale Midkiff, who I know we're all in love with because he's amazing. Probably best <laughs> known for starring in Pet Cemetery, but he did a lot of TV movies. I meant to write down the name of the movie he made where he plays the abusive husband to Nancy McKeon. Do you remember that movie, Nate? Um, and, uh, what's the name of it again? I can't remember. I think it's the Tracy Thurman story or something yes, like that. Yes, her husband, Buck. Yeah, he, Buck, uh, that's right. Yes, he played Buck. <laughs> yeah. And he beats the living tar out of her, and he destroys her face. And it's a true story. She's like paralyzed, like half of one side of her body is paralyzed because he was jumping on her head. And and nobody was doing anything. Yeah, there was like a huge crowd of people watching him basically, you know, kill trying her, to kill, kill her. her. Yeah. And no everybody's just watching. Even the cop is just kind of watching. Yeah, it's horrifying. And the last time I watched that movie, I watched it with my old roommate and he actually was crying like he was so upset because because it's a true story. And that's a reenactment of what happened to her. And he gets so angry, which is lovely. That's why I love my roommate. But he got so angry that nobody did anything and they just let this happen. And and the next scene that's really effective after that is when she's asking to look at her face. And they're like, oh, maybe you should wait, Tracy. And they're like, she's like, no, I need to. And then that look on Nancy McKeon's face when she sees what he did to her. It's just such an amazing movie. And he's such a sleazebag in that. And that's so interesting because he doesn't really play sleazebags. But he's good at it. And that movie, I think a lot of people identify him with like that or Pet Cemetery. Those might be his two most famous roles that I can think of anyway. But he also did another TV movie, which I brought up recent, uh, recently on the podcast we did with um, Through Naked Eyes, which was Video Voyeur, the Susan Wilson story, where he's married to, oh, I can't remember her name, Angie Harmon, I think. And it's also a true story about a guy who drilled all these little holes into their house. And he had all this video equipment and he was in the attic and he was in their neighbor and a friend of hers. And he was videotaping them doing random things in the house, including having sex and going to the bathroom. They, I can't remember how she uncovers it, but she finds all the equipment and then they tie it back to him. And it turns out that he can only be arrested for stealing electricity because of the laws. Uh. And she's one of the main components as to why there's better laws now for like video intrusion. And um, it's an amazing movie and he's really good in that. And the other movie I wrote down that he did was that he played Jock Ewing in Dallas the early years. I was, that was the one I was going yeah, to say. So, yeah. That's a great, that is a great TV movie. That's it's like a, it's like an epic drama rather than a right. soap opera. So it's, it's really a lot of fun. So he, he had a pretty good career. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. He was also in Nightmare Weekend. I don't know that. Oh, you mean that's not a, that's a theatrical, right? 
That's the theatrical. That's the one with George, the hand puppet, and the computers. Yeah, I watched and, that, um, but the transfer was so bad. We like I fell asleep, and my husband's like, I'm not really sure what happened. But we saw a trailer for it at uh, Terror Tuesday. Okay, it's like, yeah. oh, that's what the movie's supposed to look like. Yeah, the Vinegar Syndro- Syndrome just put out a Blu-ray of it, and it looks fantastic. And yeah, he plays Ken, who I believe is the character who falls in love with the main scientist's young uh, daughter. I believe that's him. And uh, and they the crazy crap goes on. A guy dies uh, while enjoying a lady's panties in one scene, which is pretty hilarious. Well, that's so it's for great. Some people, it's, that's the way to go, right? It's, it's a great film. Uh, another great film. another, and I apologize. I want to say Gina, but it might be Gina. She also picked William Shatner, who oh. we all know is brilliant and amazing and can do no wrong. And the two movies I wrote down were Pray for the Wildcats, which we've mentioned, and a Horror at 37,000 Feet, because that was one of the first horror TV movies I ever saw, and it just still, it just stuck with me. And it's super high camp. It's like cruising to terror in a lot of ways, but it's uh, that ending, and I'm not going to say it. Everybody needs to see it for themselves. It messed up my brain for so many years. I'll never forget it. And um, that movie just came out on DVD, and William Shatner promoted it a little, actually, on the day it came out, which was really neat. Oh wow! Yeah, it was really cool. Um, Patrick Duffy. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, he was also in a um, <laughs> um, a production of Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes. What? Yes. He played George uh, Stapleton. Yeah, I heard it's uh, mediocre. Yeah, it's it's uh, Stuart Granger's Holmes, Bernard Fox as Doctor Watson, and it was meant to be like a rotating mystery thing with um, uh, 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 Nick Carter movies sure. and Hildegard Winters movies and. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, I haven't seen I that surprised me. I can't imagine. Um, he can do anything. Shatner. I guess so. He can yeah, do anything. I, I love that man. Just, um, mm. Patrick Duffy was another choice she had. Um, the TV movie. So he did two TV movies that I I think we well, did a lot of stuff. He did he did a mini series called Strong Medicine, which isn't based off the TV series that Lifetime did. That's pretty good. I don't remember it very well, but I did see it. Uh, he did a movie called Cry for the Strangers. Which is actually not very good. It's I think it's based off oh, who's the author. I want to say it's Peter Straub, but I can't remember. It's based off a famous novel. It's not a great TV movie, but Lawrence Pressman's in it, and I think Lawrence Pressman is really sexy, and I'm not sure why, but I love him. And it's got Patrick Duffy with a beard, and they're oh. on the beach a lot in cable net sweaters. So if you like John Saul, sex, John Saul, that's who it is. If you like sexy men, I think that's a good movie to. Although I, don't, I think I'm the only one who thinks Lauren Pressman is as sexy as he is, but uh, I really like him. And then he did a movie called Hurricane with Larry Hagman before they did Dallas, but I'm not really sure that they wow. share scenes together. Uh, I know I've seen it, but it's been so long. And it's on VHS. Like, you can pick it up for, like, no money. So it's worth seeing. The the four uh, Duff-related TV movies I've seen are The Man from Atlantis. Oh, right. Ones that, that, that started when it wasn't supposed to be a series, when they were just yeah. doing a series of they did three two-hour TV movies and then one ninety-minute yeah. one, and they're all they're all pretty darn entertaining, and they're all um, I think they're all on Warner Archive Instant right now. Plus, Warner Archive has them for sale, so they they look great. And he looks, hey, he spends most of the time in like little yellow tight shorts. It's hilarious because we watched one of the Man from Atlantis movies last year, and every time we just walked around, my husband was like, "My God, he's beautiful." He is. Yeah. He really, yeah. really is. There's no way around Ridiculous. And I've seen him in person. I saw him in person in 2010, and he's a big guy, and he's really handsome. Oh, wow. He's really handsome. Uh-huh. I didn't get to meet him, but I did get to see him. Uh, Clancy Brown was another one she picked. 
Um, that was a tough one because Clancy Brown has done so much in TV and film, but I couldn't really pinpoint one thing he'd been in, except he did a miniseries called Love, Lies, and Murder, which is a true story about a guy who I think killed his young wife and got his daughter to take the blame for it. And if I'm correct, it stars, oh, I've forgotten her name, the girl that would play Donna in Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me that replaced... Twin oh, Boyle, yeah. and Cheryl Lee. I think Cheryl Lee's also in it. Mm-hmm. But I think it was before they did Twin Peaks, the movie together. I think those are the two actors. That was a pretty good movie. That was the one I think I mentioned before on this podcast that it comes it used to come in a double VHS. And my friend and I rented it and we put it on and we're like, God, this movie just starts right off. It just jumped right into it. But we watched the second video first. <laughs> and then we got to the end and we were like, Oh, wait a minute. It's over. And then we watched the first part. We were totally confused. So, I mean, that's what I remember about that movie. But it's really good. That's classic, classic Amanda. That's classic double VHSs that you don't number properly. All right? Because I've got Memories of Midnight. Is that what it's called? I've got some kind of Susan Lucci thing over here in my house on VHS. And they didn't number the tapes, but it's a three-tape movie. And mm-hmm. I don't know which one to start with. And it's really annoying me. Okay. I saw her on a love boat the other day where there was an there was an Australian actor and she was they sleep together yeah. and she's trying to, and she was she was she great. is oh great and everything and then the last person that uh, Gina picked is Richard Thomas mm. Richard Thomas was a really good choice I mean it obviously is one of the best miniseries well yes. the first part of it is one of the best miniseries ever and it also has John Ritter who is one of the greats um, but he did a movie called Stalking Laura and Nate have you seen that with Brooke Shields. No, I haven't seen that. Okay, you have to see Stalking Laura. So it's a, and I think it's based on a true story. It's about a guy who's obsessed with this girl and that he works with. And maybe today isn't the best day to bring it up with everything that's happening. But it's a, he, he, she keeps rejecting him, and finally he gets really pissed off, and he brings a gun into the workplace, and he like blows away his entire office. And it's really, really, really intense. It's a really good TV movie. I guess with all the gun violence that's going on now, it might be distasteful to watch it, but it's something later on, maybe if we ever get out of the pickle we're in with guns, um, it's something to see. It's really effective. He's great in it. It's weird to see him not as like a really likable guy because he's, you know, John Boy is like, one of the most beloved characters ever. And Walton's is one of my favorite TV shows. And to see him not like that, you know, which he did a lot in TV movies. I was really impressed with his performance. And Brooke Shields is great in it too. So um, that would be my pick for that. And I think those are all of the reader. Oh no, you have some, but you have a couple. Our our good friend, Chris from Podcast Mania. He said, uh, first off, James Garner. Yes. And uh, and for me, James Garner, I just, I, I think I've only seen him in the Rockford Files. Um, yeah, he did a movie though by by HBO, right? Oh shit, what's Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh gosh. Oh, he also did the new Maverick. Right. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I don't uh, let me. Uh, the uh, yeah, I I know what you're talking about. The uh, the oh, I can see him in it. Um, come it on, James. It has a really Garner. amazing. Oh. It had a really amazing promo poster for it. Uh, but I've never actually seen the movie. I just came across some artwork, and I was like, what is this? And I, but I think it's actually an HBO movie. Like, it's not technically a TV movie the way I class it. Is that Barbarians at the Gate? No, it's not Barbarians it? at the Gate. At, um, the Glitter Dome. Glitter Dome. Glitter yeah. Dome. Okay. I feel like it might not be an HBO movie, but I think that's my memory of it because I looked it up. But it's got – people should Google that and look for some of the artwork. It's really amazing. And uh, Chris also brought up Robert Conrad, who, of course, he was in Centennial – not Sentinel, oh, okay. That, makes sense. that was a miniseries, right? Yes, yeah. that was a huge miniseries based on a James Mischer novel. So, you know, you, you've been warned if you go into okay. that. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert Conrad, obviously, he was um, he's in one of my uh, all-time favorites. What is it? Uh, Five Desperate Women. Oh yeah, that's a great movie. Which I absolutely love. He was also in Weekend of Terror. He was in uh, Adventures of Nick Carter, which oh, was yeah. part of that proposed wheel thing, which I mentioned with the Hound of the Bastard. I actually have earlier. that, but I haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see it because I I like Nick Carter, uh, the radio show back from the '40s, early '50s. I was a big fan of, uh, and he was also in a film called that I quite enjoyed called Assassin, yeah, which is about a robotic jerk who's going around hurting with people. With Karen Arthur, and, yes, and that's actually in my oh, Karen um, Austin. I'm sorry, uh, that is one of the few TV movies that is in my action film book that is currently. Yeah, with, uh, that's my that's streaming on Amazon Instant Video too for free if you have a Prime account. If anybody wants to see it, I think Five Desperate Women is my favorite of those. I think so yeah, too. Really yeah, good. Robert Robert Conrad's always fun. And um, uh, man and I had a uh, semi argument about how um, hostile he's he's being in the first episode of Battle of the Network Stars when he uh, starts a fight with Gabe Kaplan. Yeah, I don't think I think he's having yeah, fun. We're gonna we'll, we'll discuss that in a later one, but just the, that's a great Robert Conrad moment too. And then the last one was Tom Cavanaugh, yes. who I know as the suspicious guy in the wheelchair in the flash, right. but I've only watched the first six episodes of the flash. Um, but so I didn't really know TV movies he was in. I'll throw off a couple titles, uh, Sherlock Holmes returns, um, other women's children, oh. um, the 900 lives of Jackie Fry, heart of the storm here. Here's big one. Snow and snow Two: brain freeze. <laughs> Those are two big, like ABC family hallmark Christmas movies. You know, when Christmas hits and Hallmark shows Christmas movies all the right. time. The, he's in those. He's in one called Christmas Dreams. He's in one called Trading Christmas. Well, he's in those holiday movies. Yeah, there's A Killer Among Us mm -hmm. and uh, something called My Ex-Life. Um, I, so I, I think you forgot A Vow to a Kill. A Vow to a Kill, yes, from 1995. That's a hilarious title. That's a great I think, title. I don't even know what that means. I think means, Richard Grieco stars in that. So Richard Grieco okay. and Tom Cavanaugh together. Nice. Superpowers Unite. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah. I think that's all. Thank you, everyone, for providing names there. And so it's a wealth of movies yeah. that we all need. To I wanted watch. to. I wanted to get into John Ritter, Andy Griffith, and Burt Convy as well. But you know what? I, I think we'll save that for another show. That's a whole nother yeah, show. I got yeah, to and say I Burt Convy's name out loud. So that's. Yes, I. Yeah, I. I kind of thought you'd pick Burt Convy. Actually. You know what? I have written extensively about his TV movies. Not extensively, but uh, I did a couple. His birthdays in July, and a couple years ago, I did a retrospective on his entire TV movie career, wow. and which required a lot of research. <laughs> and and I wrote like capsule reviews of every movie I could get my hands on and maybe even some I couldn't I can't remember now uh, but I've seen most of them and he's really really good but I mean like I like him a lot and he does play different than I think he really was but Robert Reed to me was just the yeah. ultimate so I felt like he needed some love mm -hmm. woohoo right. so um, I will say that uh, this podcast will I guess the hysteria continues will have been out for a while already when this comes out, but Nate hosted the last episode, which was Hard to Die. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Good one. Which, you know, I haven't seen. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> it's a lot it of fun. It sounds amazing. Yeah. I, um, I did listen to the episode, though. I actually skip episodes if I haven't seen the movie, so I have a handful of episodes waiting. I did watch Hell High this past weekend, so I can listen to your podcast. 
Oh, I like I Hell, Hell High. High. I, like... I hated it. Really? Yeah, I love Christopher Cousins, but I thought overall it was kind of a very mean-spirited film, and I didn't like watching that woman get molested by two different people uh, while she was passed out. That just lost me. Mm-hmm. But Christopher Cousins looked amazing, so it was worth <laughs> it for that. But um, Hard to Die, my husband left, so we'll, we'll eventually get around to it. But it was a really good episode. <laughs> so everybody should check that out. Is there anywhere else, Nate, that you are? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's your one-stop shop? That's my one-stop shop, I have to say. That's a good shop. That's a real good shop. I'm actually revisiting all your episodes. And um, what did I listen to today? Oh, I listened to Madman, and I almost texted you because I was really upset that you don't love Madman. I've grown to like it, but I don't love it yet. It's the best. (laughs) It's the best. It's my favorite. I love Madman Mars himself. Well, everybody loves Madman mm. Mars. He's adorable. But it's like, it's like I guess it's my last slumber party. Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, oh, it's one of those okay. movies I love. If not everybody kind of gets it. But it's mm. definitely in my top five slashers. And, and I was really surprised at the overall response to it. Most Most people were like, oh, it's okay. Except for Justin. I think Justin liked it the most of the four of you. And I was kind of surprised because I thought everybody loved Madman. I didn't know they did. I mean, I was surprised too because um, usually I'm alone in in liking it in a six out of ten kind of way. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk. Yeah, I I prefer I prefer Madman to Burning. Definitely. So did Nate, and that surprised me too because I, I thought most people preferred the Burning to Madman. I prefer Madman. I mean, I, I, again, I like the Burning. I mean, I've got nothing against mm-hmm. it at all, but something about the Burning. I think it's, it's just it, the fact that there's too many characters, and I much prefer mm. the Friday the 13th style of, you know, you have, like, a, a set group that you kind of get to know everybody right. before the danger strikes. Well, that's interesting. Mm. So that's a good argument. Yeah, and I think I think as Burning approaches its ending and it picks out its final guy, I, I somehow – I'm never as interested in it as I feel like I should be. Me too. Whereas, whereas, whereas Madman seems to, like, kind of tear towards its ending, which is almost – surprising the ending uh the burning it's just kind of as it goes towards you get that one goofy guy who survives and they're in that cave and everything i was for some reason i don't know why whether it's direction or what but it always loses me a bit i don't know why i just saw it in the theater uh last year actually oh how was was a year ago yesterday or tomorrow it was a year ago tomorrow that i saw it oh it was amazing It was amazing, mm-hmm. yeah. And I've seen Madman on the big screen too. I, I prefer Madman too, um, but that's because it's I like the minimalism of it. I think it's kind of yes. the same thing. I don't necessarily mind having a bunch of characters, but there's something really like basic, and uh, I don't know how to explain it. But I I like that it's just sort of like very small. I like it starts in the dark, it ends yeah, in it the dark. Does. There's no never any yeah, light. Yeah, and it it does. Even though I think the burning has kind of a sh- not shocking ending, but it has a dark ending in a way. Um, mm. I think Madman has a way darker ending because the evil oh, yes. is so way ever, you know, it's still there no matter what. So, and I think that's really effective too. Yeah. And the final girl in Madman never quite gets the full sort of final girl treatment. No, no, no. It's like she's, she's kind of grabbed and at the end of her, the ending, the ending, yeah, the ending occurs and she's, you know, it's almost like the way the other folks were caught. She doesn't quite get the it it, it confounds the expectations yeah, that we expect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you could say that about the burning too, because it has a male final girl. 
Yeah, that's you true. Yeah, I mean? final, so, and that's one of the only films perp, that yeah. has that. He's a final perp. He's a final guess, perp. But, if, you know, he's the emasculated male. Like, they've written essays about it. He is actually a final girl because he's the emasculated male. And I'm not saying I agree with that, but there's been some theories about that. So it's kind of interesting. I'm just saying. If you want to get into your academic <laughs> horror, it's there for you reading. So, Dan, we're, you're all over the place. So go through all of the stuff you've been doing. Oh, uh, well, obviously there's my, my, my blog, some Polish-American guy reviews things. Uh, we're deep into, well, five, five or six episodes into BJ and the Bear Season 2, which I'm not enjoying as much yeah. as I remember enjoying it previously. Uh, where else am I? I'm on Podcast Mania, obviously with you. I am on. Oh, I, did I mention it? When was the last time we talked? You, yeah, I did. You did. You talked about Pod Dylan, but you did another podcast. Tell me the name of it again. You sent it to me, and I haven't put it on the. Website. Oh, uh, well, um, the the other one was the the film and water. Yeah. Podcast that that was the one. I forget if I mentioned that that should be going up. Uh, it's it's supposed to be an episode fifty. They're on episode forty seven. Came out today, so I want to say within the next two weeks or so. Film and Water podcast discussion of Golden Globus films. I'll be oh, talking cool. um, Bolero. Oh, okay. Um, and, I, and I might be doing another one of those in the future, and I might be doing another Pod Dylan okay. with Rob sometime soon. Okay, well, so let us know. I will. And definitely. then, you know, I'm at Made for TV Mayhem. And, of course, I didn't write any of the contact information down like a moron. But I think we're <laughs> at Twitter, at TV Mayhem Podcast. We're on just Facebook if you look up the Made for TV Mayhem show. And I think our Gmail is TVMayhemPodcast at gmail.com. And um, and you can check us out on iTunes. I don't know about all these other podcatchers. I don't even know what that means. So we're on iTunes and on the website. And, um, and that's it. And then so our next episode is going to be about our favorite actresses. And it'll be pretty much the same thing. Now, we did this with pretty much without a script, so I'm not sure how it's going to sound when it's all said and done. But it's going to be pretty much the same format. And we'd love to hear from anybody out there who wants to let us know how much they love Barbara Eden, Donna Mills, Elizabeth Montgomery, Karen Black. I mean, there's so many. Valerie Harper. We could, I could go on forever. I, I think TV movies are very female-centric, so it's going to be a lot harder for me to pick, I think. Mm. Honestly, yeah. a female, although I've got one in mind. <laughs> so, and I, I forgot to make a closing theme, so I'll add oh. that. Um, and <laughs> and I'll just say good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. Look. Look at me. Up a tree I feel like I'm clinging to a cloud I can't understand I get misty just holding your